Hey, and welcome to the Pathway Church Podcast. We're so glad you're here to join us. We hope that this podcast inspires you to live life both for God and your city. Make sure to subscribe to stay up to date with all of our most recent episodes. And remember to leave us a five-star rating. Enjoy the message. Uh, I'm excited and I hope you're ready because I'm ready to preach the word this morning, open the scriptures up with you. And uh, we started a brand new series last week called Don't Be that guy. Don't be that guy. And we uh, dived in. Pastor Travis taught us how to deal with difficult people, really a difficult culture last week. And I want to encourage you guys to go check that out online or through our app. Uh, You can check it out through there. But man, it's such a great start. And uh, today, uh, I have the honor and privilege to talk about a really controversial topic. Hope you guys are ready, man. It's, we talk about it every day, whether you realize it or not. Each and every one of us, we have this conversation about 99% of the time, okay, with anybody that we meet, okay, or if we're talking to our spouse or our kids or whatever. And as a matter of fact, Toby Keith, one of my good friends, not really, just lying, but um, uh, he wrote a good song about this a few years ago, ago called, I Want to Talk About Me. So we're going to talk about you today and how difficult you are, all right? And uh, I'm difficult too, but here's the thing I need you to do for me this morning that really kind of set the tone. Let's go ahead, turn to your neighbor and say, I'm difficult, but I'm different. I'm difficult, but I'm different. Now go ahead and turn to the other person next to you that was not your first choice this morning and uh, go ahead and tell them, I know you are, I know you are. I know you are. (laughs) And yes, it was meant to be awkward, so you're welcome this morning. But man, I'm really excited to open the scriptures up with you uh, because I really feel like God wants to speak to each and every one of us today, and uh, he uses his word to to do that. I'm really, really excited about that. And I'm going to be honest with you today. Uh, I am very difficult, okay? I believe, I firmly believe the most difficult battle we will ever face in our life is not an illness, it's not financial stability, it's not your spouse, even though you're probably elbowing them right now, telling them to listen up, it's none of those things. I firmly believe the most difficult battle that we deal with and face is you, is yourself. There are things in our life that somehow get Uh, immersed into our life that we begin to have a comparison goal. We begin to try to measure up to other people and we begin to disqualify ourselves from God even using us in the first place. And I try to think back to when I was uh, 15 years old and I gave my life to the Lord and uh, I had no idea what that meant. Uh, I just knew I loved God. I felt something just changed me from the inside out. And so two weeks later, I preached my first sermon. Do you guys remember it? Me neither. It was really bad. And so uh, I preached my first sermon. I had no clue what I was talking about. But man, I was just passionate about God and what he had done in and through my life and what he's continuing to do today. And so I wanted to tell anybody and everybody that had an ear, let them hear. I was going to tell them. And so I got really passionate about that and started preaching, but I started figuring out that ministry was difficult. Well, Adam, what, what are you talking about, man? All y'all do is just preach. That's it. You know, totally wrong, bro. That's totally not what, what pastors do. I, I tell people all the time, I'm like, 2% of what we do is like preaching. The other like 98% is dealing with difficult people and getting messy in ministry, different things like that. But 
Man, I started figuring out things, started seeing things that I was just not prepared for, okay? Like for an example, uh, I got voluntold to do my first funeral for a, a great aunt of mine that I never really had any relationship with. And so here I am, 17 years old, at a funeral of a person I don't even know. And so you guys know what I did? I just started making stuff up. Yeah. I said, Lord, bless our family. That means me. I'm in the family too. So Lord, just bless us today. Lord, thank you for her golden, silver, amazing hair that she had. Lord, we just thank you for that. Man, it was the worst thing I have ever done in my life. It was so bad. And, uh, you know, I, my family came up to me. They're like, son, you did such a good job. I'm like, you're lying. You're, you're, I did not. And so I started doing all kind of uh, crazy things like that. As a young boy, I was like, man, I was not prepared for these things. And so as I got into Bible college, I started just learning kind of the ins and outs of everything. And I started trying to learn as much as I possibly could. So I dove into the scriptures. I was reading First and Second Timothy from where Paul was really talking and sending these letters to Timothy, who was a young pastor who inherited one of the biggest churches of all time. And so he was still learning. So I was trying to learn the ropes through that. But then I came across this character who's going to be kind of our main character for today. But you have to be careful because you blink and you miss his story. He's only mentioned about five to six times in the book of Acts, and I want to kind of take us there today. And so if you guys have your Bible, let's go ahead and turn to Acts chapter 12, verse 12. And I want to just kind of set the preface for you of what all is happening in this moment. We have the apostle Peter who is in prison currently. He got arrested for testifying and proclaiming the goodness of God and uh, started doing miracles and all these things. And so uh, he got arrested for that. And so uh, angel one night came to rescue him and Peter was actually sleeping on the ground in prison. That's a whole nother sermon for another day. I could preach that uh, for about two and a half hours, but I'm on a limited time frame today. But uh, so Peter was pre, uh, sleeping. And so an angel of the Lord came to him, woke him up and led him out of the prison uh, away from all the different guards that were there. And so they crossed the street, the angel leaves him, but Peter knew that there was a prayer gathering, kind of an underground church gathering that was happening at a house locally, which was John Mark's house, who was going to be our uh, subject of today is John Mark. And so Peter knew that he could go to John Mark's house and he had a, a mother named Mary and no, it's not that Mary, it's a different Mary. And so they go and there's a prayer gathering, there's a small group happening. You know, they got the pizza, the pasta, they got all that stuff going on. They're reading an awesome book, kind of like what our small groups do, and they're praying. And they're praying that Peter gets released from prison. As a matter of fact, he goes and knocks on the door. They shut the door in his face because they couldn't believe it. And so they open the door, they welcome Peter, and so on and so forth. And so we have another account of John Mark showing up in the book of Acts. And most scholars believe that John Mark was around the age of a teenager. And so him being a teenager at this time, he did not have an eyewitness account of the miracles that Jesus did. It was all just word of mouth and hearsay. And so somewhere along the way, John Mark built a relationship with Peter 
and then John Mark got converted into a Christian. Never underestimate people's experiences that they share with you in your life. There are stories, many of you in this room today, those of you online and at airport, your testimony has set other people free. Your story matters. And so when you share your faith, that's why I tell people all the time, share your faith with your kids, speak life into them because it matters. Because what happens is you have a battle of two perspectives that we all deal with every single day of our life. There are two uh, perspectives that we deal with. The first one is our perspective. Our perspective says you have to see it to believe it. You have to see it to believe it. I'll give you guys an example. My son, Abraham, he's four years old, okay? He's an amazing four-year-old. Y'all, he is full of life and personality and superhero moves like you ain't never seen, okay? And so my wife and I, we were in our house the other day and we were having a conversation and all of a sudden we hear his little feet pattering coming. And y'all, when I tell y'all this white boy can move, that boy is moving, okay? He comes running up in the house and he's talking to, to us and he's like, daddy, 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 daddy. And he's just going on and on about it. He's like, come look, guy, you'll never believe what I, what I, what I, I'm like, spit it out, son. What is it you're trying to tell me? Are you hurt? Are you dying? What's going on? He said, you'll never believe what I built. And I said, okay, buddy, I got to see this, you know, because he's four. Like, there's not going to be much of a work of art that's going to be in the next room. I'm just going to be honest with you. Have you seen his scribbles when he comes home? It's like, man, oh, buddy, that's so awesome, you know. And you're just trying to, yeah, never mind. That's just me. All right, cool. And so uh, we go into the other room. And y'all, when I tell you, this thing was the most immaculate castle I have ever seen. This boy took his time. And my first thought, was, man, I need to really knock that over just to mess with him. Y'all pray for me, okay? I'm, I'm really, really trying, all right? And so I didn't do that, but man, he, he was so proud of this castle that he built, and he just started taking anything that he could find, and he began to build with these blocks. Y'all, we were so proud of this. He made it right in the doorway of our master be- bathroom in our house, made it right in the doorway. Y'all, we were stepping over it for two days. We didn't even want to touch it. It was so awesome. And so he started building all these things and man, it was just so awesome. I was like, man, I've got to see this to believe it. Like I could not believe that this little four-year-old boy started building this. But y'all, he, start, he ran out of blocks. And so he just started finding whatever he could to build, to build this huge castle. Isn't it funny that when God starts building things into our life and he starts using tools that we never expected, that we start getting all upset and we begin to be difficult because God, I thought you were supposed to build it a certain way. But so he's starting to build it. Let's see, I'll do this right here. Here we go. And he just starts a puzzle piece. I don't know, man. Like he's just building this amazing thing. And now he tops it all off. With the best part, I think. Well, I've got a friend that's joining me today. This is Catboy from PJ Mask. If you guys don't, shout out PJ Mask. And so we walk in and we see this beautiful work of art. And y'all, we're stepping around it like we're Holy Spirit 
testifies, all that around it, man. It's awesome. And he was so proud, y'all. Every time he'd walk in, he's like, hey, daddy, look at that. That's what I built. He was so proud of it. But see, that's our perspective. I've got to see it before I can believe that anything like that exists. But God's perspective says you have to believe it before you actually see it. You've got to believe that I can do the impossible in your life and then I'm going to do it for you. You see, when God starts building something in our life and it doesn't look the way we think it should look, he doesn't use all the necessary tools that we think he should do, then that's when doubt and fear become to creep into our life and we're like, man, there's no way that God can make a masterpiece out of this. There's no possible way. And y'all, we couldn't believe it. We walked in and we saw this and I'm like, man, that boy is awesome. But what I didn't tell you guys about this is that earlier that morning, uh, we had a come to Jesus meeting with him. And parents, you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> he started acting up, acting a fool at the house and doing all this stuff. And he wanted to punch his mama. Like he's been watching a lot of superhero Spider-Man stuff. And so he'll like try to web you and then punch you. Like it's, it's crazy what he does. And so he started getting really upset at his mom. We were telling him to do something and he just started throwing a fit. And so instead of me laying hands on him, uh, I just, I grab him and I sit down, I squat down and I'm like, hey, listen up. And I get real deep, you know, like a dad's supposed to, maybe, I don't know. And so I start speaking into him. I'm like, look, buddy, you're a good boy. You do not do this. This is not who you are. You are somebody. You are made to be different. You are made to be different. And you know what, buddy? You're a legend. Like you will change the world. And I think oftentimes here today, ladies and gentlemen, a lot of us here in the room and over at airport and online, we have allowed the wrong things and the wrong people to speak the wrong things into our life. But if you can grasp today that God is in the room and he's speaking, I am proud and I approve of who you are. I have called you. You have a purpose. There is something on the inside of you that just starts welling up. Man, I, I can do anything through Christ that strengthens me. And so I, we have that moment. We have the come to Jesus moment. And then two hours later, bam. Like he's never built anything like this before, but I firmly believe because he is confident in who he was and what we spoke into his father spoke into. He was like, you know what? I'm going to take these blocks and I'm going to do something with them. And I believe that's God speaking to each and every one of us today. He's saying, I approve of you. You do not have to work for people's acceptance. I've already accepted you into my house today. And what I pray today is that before we leave the room is that your perspective shifts and to say, God, I may not have the report I want right now. I may not have the finances that I want right now. I may not be making it the way that I want right now, but God, I still believe in you. And if I believe in you, you said I'm going to see it through and I believe you. 
So the next time we see John Mark is in Acts chapter 12, verse 25. And so John Mark shows up and you have Paul and Barnabas, they get ready to go on their first mission trip together. They're beginning to share the gospel and do miracles and all this stuff. And so Barnabas is actually the cousin of John Mark. And so, you know, there was a lot of favoritism there, but John Mark being a young guy, he begins to, you know, get set out on this journey with Paul and Barnabas and they see all kind of amazing things. They kind of took John Mark to kind of document everything that's happened. So John Mark takes his iPhone and he's, hey y'all, it's me, Paul, Barnabas, John Mark, what's up guys? Hey, uh, we're just here and yo, this dude just, lay, he was lame, but now he's walking again. And so he's documenting everything they're doing, TikTok videos, like he's the guy, you know, documenting all the things. And so he was an eyewitness to all the stuff that Paul and Barnabas was doing and then everything that Peter had done. And so they go on this trip with each other and they meet this sorcerer and this governor. And so these people come up to them and they just start talking smack to them, you know, all this crazy stuff that, you know, you guys believe in Jesus and da, da, you know, just coming at them, being really difficult. And so Paul, being the mighty man of God he is, he prayed for him to go blind, and they did, and then they believe. It's funny how that works. And so that's what happened. And literally the next verse, I want you guys to check this out. Here's Acts chapter 13, verse 12. Check this out. It says, when the governor saw what had happened, he became a believer, for he was astonished at the teaching about the Lord. The literal next verse, check this out, verse 13. Paul and his companions then left Paphos by ship for Pamphylia, landing at the port town of Perga. There, John Mark left them and returned to Jerusalem. John Mark just leaves. <laughs> I've seen enough. I'm done. I can't do this. Like, I, I'm, I quit. I'm tapping out. And they literally are halfway on the journey at the halfway point, and he turns around and goes back home to where he's comfortable. For many of us, that is our relationship with God. When God begins to prepare you to do something amazing, you want to tuck tail and run back to something that is comfortable. And many of us in this room today, we have given up on dreams and God things in our life because the moment it seems out of touch and it doesn't look the way we thought it should look, we turn around and go the other way. This was John Mark. And scholars have debated for years what on earth, because scripture doesn't tell us why on earth he just left. But scholars have debated and I've kind of came to the general consensus with them that he left because he wasn't measuring up. He was intimidated by who Paul and Barnabas were. Like, man, I'm young and there's no way that I could be who they are. There's no way that I can measure up to be the apostle and the leader that God has called them to be. And so, if I can be honest, the reason I gravitated toward this story is because that was me. That was me early on in my ministry. 
I looked at all these other amazing pastors and my friends and all these people that, man, these guys preach great and they're awesome. They look great, you know, on stage and they got the perfect marriage and they got a house and a dog and a picket fence and all that kind of stuff. And I saw these things and I started taking out my measuring stick, measuring myself to everybody else's things. Somebody told me one time, Adam, stop measuring your life with somebody else's highlight reel when you don't realize the behind the scenes. And I think social media is an amazing tool, but oftentimes there is a trap that we fall into called the comparison trap. And we begin to be so difficult on ourselves because we're not measuring up to what culture is saying the expectation is. And so John Mark, I believe that was it. You know, I, I didn't really have a lineage of pastors that I come from. You know, I'm a one of one. I, I don't have a lot of pastors that I, you know, had in my family that I could look up to. You know, my, all of my family are farmers and welders and man, I'm so proud of that. I mean, you cut me open and I bleed John Deere green. That's just how that works. Well, Adam, you're wearing skinny jeans. So what? I, I, I love big trucks and rednecks and all that. That's just me. Okay. Country music. That's my deal. And uh, so I'm, I'm proud of that, but going into ministry, there was a lot of things I had no idea about. There were a lot of things I didn't know. And so I just started looking, trying to find, and somewhere along the way, I had these expectations that were thrown on me that I did to myself. Well, Adam, you got to preach the perfect sermon. You got to be the perfect person. Nobody's going to like you. You're not even, you're single right now. And every girl you talk to is deleting you off MySpace and all that. We have MySpace. Uh, kids, that was a thing. I'm just kidding, man. Uh, <laughs> I do miss it though. You know, you could have your own profile music and all that. It was, it was awesome. You know, and I had my Jeremy Camp going. Anytime you visited my profile, it's Jeremy Camp. That's what we did. But that's not a here nor there. That made no sense and no point, but here we go. <clears throat> But somewhere along the way, I picked up these expectations that I began to believe. And so I started going into this spiral uh, of worried about performance rather than proclamation and proclaiming the good news of God. And so I fell into this trap and I started having these three early signs that I want to share with you. Maybe that's you this morning. But number one, the first sign I had that I was being difficult on myself with failures. My failures resulted in a loss of the joy of the Lord. Any moment that I missaid things or misread something or whatever, I just, the joy was literally sucked out of my life. And I praise God every day that the joy of the Lord is not circumstantial, but it's a forever eternally thing that we can never ask for or, or anything. All we can do is just receive it. That is who God is. And number two, my mistakes were resulting in anger. I was walking around angry all the time. I had no idea, man. Like somebody would say something that set me off and you're like, you're the pastor. I'm like, I don't care. I'm going to burn you down like Elijah did on Mount Carmel, you know, like just saying crazy stuff. And so, you know, I, I was angry all the time. I didn't like who I was. And number three, my failures were starting to produce fear in my life. Man, I, I failed too many times. There's no way that God can continue to use me. 
And what it made me feel was that I was paralyzed for moving forward and who God has called me to be in my purpose. But I go to this conference in Atlanta. Our students, our, our uh, Bible study students would go uh, in college. We'd go to Atlanta every year f- uh, for a Catalyst conference. You had all the big leaders from around the world. They'd come and share the gospel and the word and all that kind of stuff. Well, one specific uh, preacher got up. His name is John Piper. He's a great theologian and really kind of dives deep into the scriptures. And I love that. And he said this this statement, and it changed my life forever, changed my perspective. And he said this, Christ has made you his own. That changes everything about how you run your race. So God, the creator of the universe, the one who hung the heavens and the stars and created you and I, put breath on the inside of you could be doing something way more important with this time than worried about my difficult self. But we serve a God who is here in the room today, who is here in the room trying to tell you today that even though you're difficult, I'm dependable. You can depend on me with anything that you need. I have spoke life and life to the fullest into your life today. If you believe that and you're thankful today, come on, can we just bless the Lord? And one thing I've learned dealing with my difficult self is the enemy wants to delay my confidence in who God's called me to be. He wants me to focus on my inadequacies and all the times that I failed so that I can continue to be hard on myself to where I just never move. I'm paralyzed of moving forward. And if I can be honest with you this morning, church, he would love nothing more for you right now in your life, wherever you are on your journey, for you to turn around and do what John Mark did and just quit, leave it all in the road in the middle of the journey, you turn around and you go back to what you're comfortable. And I think oftentimes we deal with that battle internally and we get so set on fire for God, we're so excited for what God's doing when he transforms us from the inside out. But somewhere along the way, we have tricked and deceived ourselves that we have to live to this huge expectation and we forget about the grace and the mercy and the love that God gives us to live out this calling and this purpose that he's given us. And if we choose to quit mid-journey, there are a lot of repercussions that happen. Check this out in Acts chapter 15, verse 36, it says this, we find Paul and Barnabas, they're getting ready to go back on a second missionary journey. And it says, after some time, Paul said to Barnabas, let's go back and visit each city where we previously preached the word of the Lord to see how the new believers are doing. Barnabas agreed and wanted to take along John Mark. There he is again. But Paul, he disagreed strongly since John Mark had deserted them in Pamphylia and had not continued with them in their work. I'm so thankful that even though we've made mistakes and we've quit, people give up on us, but God never gives up on us. I praise God for that every day. Their disagreement was so sharp that they separated. Two friends who had done ministry together separated over John Mark's desertion. 
Barnabas took John Mark with him and sailed for Cyprus. Paul chose Silas, and as he left, the believers entrusted him to the Lord's gracious care. When you quit on your calling, when you leave and go back the other way, it has repercussions to not just you, but everybody else around you. You see, this began to create a conflict that was uh, messing up the spreading of the gospel. And so because of John Mark's desertion, it delayed the gospel being spread. But I love what Paul says about our calling. It says, therefore I, a prisoner for serving the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling, for you have been called by God. Did you guys know that Paul talks more about your calling? He speaks about it over 20 times in his letters to the epistles. And I believe it's not by accident. I think he saw something in John Mark that at first glance really made him mad and upset. But after second thought, he was like, man, this kid has what it takes. This person has what it takes. And he just believed so much in John Mark that that's all he talked about was following your calling. Hopefully John Mark would hear it at some point. And here's the reality. Many of us in this room today, we have disqualified ourselves from God even using us for anything because of our past mistakes and our failures. We have become so difficult for ourselves that you're like, God, you can't work with someone as difficult as I am. I'll never amount to anything. I won't measure up. I'll never do this or never do that. I'll never have a perfect marriage. Well, my parents, they were alcoholics. And so that means, man, I'm going to be that too. And we just start disqualifying ourselves from God just using us and molding us and shaping us into who we are. And when you say that God... I'm difficult. When you say to God, I'm difficult, well, he counteracts and he says, no, you're different. You're built different than that. You, You are a somebody. You are somebody that I've called, that I've made and fashioned together. You're not difficult. No, no, you're different. So I'm gonna teach you this morning, church, how to go from difficult to different. Number one, remind yourself daily of what Jesus has done for you. I love what Romans 8 says. It says, therefore, there is now some condemnation. Therefore, there is now all condemnation. I mean, are y'all reading the same? Oh, gotcha. Therefore, there is now no condemnation. For those who are in Christ Jesus, can I ask you a question today? Everybody tuning in here at Moffitt and online and at airport, if you, if you are condemning yourself, why are you condemning yourself when Jesus has forgotten about it long ago? You have disqualified yourself. You have condemned yourself. When I just read, there is now no condemnation in those that are found in Christ Jesus. Why are you continuously bringing up your failures and your mistakes when God has never mentioned them to you, not one time? It's a perspective. Number two, ask the Holy Spirit to give you better thoughts. I believe 
Your thoughts can either elevate you or, or they will kill you. What is your thought life like? What do you think about? Do you think negative and you see all these different things happening in your life and you're like, man, <laughs> I'll never measure up. I'll never do these things. You know, I, I'm just going to be so-and-so or I'm just going to do this and, you know, I'll never be somebody. And we start setting these crazy expectations on us. I love what 2 Corinthians says in chapter 10, verse 5. It says, we demolish all arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Here's another verse. Since then, this is Colossians chapter three. Since then, you have been raised to Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. Can I tell you this morning, church, get your mind on Jesus. I know what culture is doing. I know what our administration is doing. I know all these different things. But I came to tell you a word this morning. If you put your mind and your perspective on God, you will never, ever fail. What are you looking at? What is your thought life like? You have to watch what you say to yourself. Why? Because you can have what you say. Well, Adam, what does that mean? I mean that God spoke the earth into existence. So what you speak has to take shape and form. What are you speaking into your life? What are you thinking about? What are you speaking into your children? Number three. And this one's going to be the most difficult, I think, for each of us in the room. Number three, learn to love yourself. When you look in the mirror, what do you see? Do you see all your mistakes? All the times that you missed it? I know the enemy tries to tempt me all the time as a parent. Well, Adam, you've messed it up. Your kid's going to hate you when he grows up. You're this, this, and that. And if you give him a, a lane, he's going to drive in and try to get you to go the other way. But I speak this verse to you today, and I speak this to your doubt. I speak this to your fear. Psalm 139, it says, I praise you because I've got all the money in the bank. <laughs> I praise you because I got a perfect marriage. I praise you because whatever you want it to be. No, I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful and I know that full well. Can I tell you this morning, church, God didn't create an accident when he created you. He didn't create you by mistake. No, you have a purpose. You are created on purpose for a purpose. And there is no enemy at the gates of hell that can conquer against who he's called you to be. And I came to declare today that we have a church body. People at here at Moffat Airport, Foley Campus. If we can just say, man, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. And I'm not going to let the culture dictate who I am. But I'm going to let the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords dictate who I am. If we just have a church that says that today, we will be unstoppable. That we will be unstoppable. But you gotta love yourself, church. 
Love yourself the way Christ loved you. He loved you so much because he gave his only son for you. He bankrupted heaven, gave it all on the line. God put all of his chips at the middle of the table and he said, I'm going all in on my creation. I'm going all in on my people because I love them so. And the moment that you realize not only who you are, but whose you are, everything changes. And number four, failure isn't final. Philippians 4.13 says, I can do all things through him who gives me strength. So church, that big thing that you're worried about, that big thing you feel like you can't do because you'll never measure up and it's too difficult, I'm too difficult. God is speaking to you today to try again. This time, it'll work. This time, it'll work. Can I tell you, you only fail if you stop trying. Paul talks about it, he says, run your race, finish well. And a lot of us, we are tired, we are burned out because of culture or different labels that we've put on ourselves. But I came to declare to you today, get back in the game, get up, keep going, try again. Don't be difficult, why? Because you're built different, you are different. God's called you to be different. You don't have to be somebody else. God created you to be you. You're awesome. You're amazing. But none of this happens unless we have Jesus on the inside of us and giving us that resurrection life. Be different. And I love God so much because he can literally take anything that the enemy uses and turn it right back around for the good. No matter what he's been given, (laughs) he can build it. No matter what tools are at his disposal, he can build a masterpiece. So the team splits off, John Mark and Barnabas go their way, Paul and Silas go their way. But I love it because God continued to work in both ministries. Because of the quitting that John Mark did, God said, well, I knew that was going to happen. I'm going to take it around and you guys are going to spread the gospel faster than y'all could have together. And so toward the end of Paul's life though, in 2 Timothy, he's writing a letter to Timothy and he says, I'm I'm at the end of my rope here, Timothy, and I, I would love for you guys to come see me. But could you make sure John Mark is with you? I miss him. Can you make sure that he comes and we can be together one last time? And I believe Paul saw something in John Mark that a lot of us as John Mark, we don't see in ourselves. God is speaking to you today. And I believe he's gonna change your life in just a moment. Here's the reality. The only way that failure can have the last word in your life is if we allow it to. 
we serve a God who is able to take our defeats and our missteps and still use us for his glory and for his name. I, I forgot to tell you guys this real quick. Hold on. I left out the part because John Mark, who was a teenager at the time, he was really close to Peter and they did a lot of ministry together. And so he wasn't an eyewitness to what Jesus had done, but he had witnessed all the miracles that the apostles had done and all these things. And can I tell you today, church, that John Mark that we read about is the same John Mark that wrote the gospel of Mark. And he says, everything that Peter has done, I'm going to document it and we're going to put it in the gospel. And this gospel is going to change everybody's life that reads it because I may be a nobody, but I'm a somebody in Jesus Christ. And I have a story to tell about a somebody that can came down from heaven, gave us new life. See, Jesus didn't come to make bad people good. No, he came to resurrect the dead back to life and he's gonna do it in your life today. Come on, can we just bless the Lord today for the resurrection power? Don't count your story out today. There is more to be written to your story. I know it's been difficult. I know it's been hard. You've been hard on yourself way too long because you are fearfully and wonderfully made today, church. And I came to tell you this morning, I want to tell you this real quick. I was praying. I said, Lord, what do you want to tell your people today? What is it? And he said, Adam, (laughs) tell them today, even though They may have quit. They may have given up on themselves. I still have not given up on them. You're not difficult. You're different. I've called you to be different. I've called you to be somebody. I've called you to do something amazing in this earth. Don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. He's still writing your story. And here's the beautiful part about it. He's for you all the way through. He's on your side. We hope you've been blessed by this week's podcast. Make sure to subscribe to stay up to date with all of our most recent episodes and visit pathwaychurch.us slash give. We'll see you next week.